I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to another episode of Scam Squad. Vicki, it's so nice to be with you again. What do you have for us today? Hi, Patty. Well, today we have a guest. Her name is Carol. And Carol called me on my fraud hotline and we started talking and she told me that she unfortunately had been victimized by the grandparent scam. Now, Patty, we know that this scam has been around for a long time and we've talked about it before on our show, but I was very alarmed by this particular phone call that Carol got because, as I've said in the past, these crooks are becoming much more sophisticated. And they really approached her in a very sophisticated way and completely took her in. So I asked her if she'd come on the show and describe to us what happened. So I want to say welcome, Carol, and thank you so much for coming on the show today. Go ahead and tell us what happened. This started with a phone call. Is that correct? Uh, Yes, it was on September 10th, and youngish boy's voice came on the phone. My grandson is 22, that I thought it was, and uh, said, hi, Grandma. And I hadn't talked to him on the phone in a couple of years, had seen him back east, but not spoken with him on the phone. And so I said his name, Cole, and I kind of had a question mark in my voice because I thought it could have been his brother, Jack. But Uh anyway, he asked how we were, and we had a bit of chit-chat here and there, and then he asked if I could keep um, something between us, and I was a little startled. And I hesitated and said, yes, maybe, well, okay, thinking that I really didn't want to get involved in the middle of a this divorced family, so he went on and he said this is kind of embarrassing, and he said he wasn't feeling well, and a friend offered to give him a ride to the drugstore, and the friend drove through the stop sign, and the police pulled him over, and in the process, they opened up the friend's car trunk, and there was 20 pounds of marijuana in it, and (laughs) yeah, well, my grandson said that he didn't know about it, and I know my grandson's had friends using drugs, and he's used marijuana in the past. And so in my head, I'm thinking, oh, boy, you yeah. know, And it probably go. sounded kind of real, yeah? It did. And he said that there was a police officer that's been treating him really nicely, and he wondered if I would talk to him. He told me that he was taken to the Boston Police Department and that there was an officer waiting to... Uh, to talk to me, and so I said, fine, and he told me, don't hang up, Grandma, please don't hang up, this is my only call, oh. and uh, his voice kind of cracked, and he says, Pulling at don't. your heartstrings, Oh, yeah. absolutely, uh-huh. and I never, ever thought that I wasn't talking to my grandson. Yeah. So anyway, the police officer, police officer came on and gave me his name and said that he was from the Boston Police Department, and um, that he would be in jail for 30 days if bond wasn't posted, and could I post bond, which would be $4,000, 10% of the bond amount, and that the rest would be covered by the bail bond company. My husband was in the room, so he was listening, and we're kind of looking at each other, and I did have some skepticism way down deep inside. Mm -hmm. And I know, I'm 74, but I know that you don't send money and that you don't talk to the Social Security unless you call yourself. I know 
all of those things, I feel like I'm fairly savvy, that I got hooked, line and sinker. feel so embarrassed, actually. So we were told that there was a gag order and that we couldn't talk to the parents. Well, we'd asked him before we sent any money, could I talk to his parents first? I had told my grandson, you should have called your mother. But they're divorced, and I know neither one of them have a dime to put together to come up with $4,000 in the spare of a minute. Yeah. And so I thought, well, my grandson probably knew that, and called Grandma and Grandpa in California. This conversation with the sergeant, he's explaining everything. After we said we would send bail, he called us back and said that he had talked with our grandson and that he was very grateful and that, um, you know, that he would be released after he had a hearing with the judge that would be that afternoon. And he really felt that our grandson was innocent and that he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. He said he spoke very intelligently and he was very scared. And I asked him because I thought he lives in a town outside of the major city of the Boston Police Police Department. And so I said, why is he at the Boston Police Department and not in his hometown? And the officer said, well, because it was 20 pounds of marijuana, it becomes a federal issue, not necessarily a local issue. So that made sense to me. Anyway, it it just, the officer was very calm. He answered every question we had, which we asked quite a few. They were asking for cash to be sent, and I said, why not a cashier's check? Because that kind of raised my hack a little bit, and then we were to send the $4,000 in cash to a place outside of the state, and I said, why can't it be sent to one of the Santa Barbara bail bondsman places? Why does this have to go out of state? Mm -hmm. And he informed me that they were busy with other issues and couldn't come up with the $36,000 at that point. So the money was sent to under our grandson's name to an address in North Carolina, actually. And the sergeant did keep us posted. He called us when our grandson was about to go into the hearing. He called us when the hearing with the judge was over and said, as expected, he was okay to be released. And I asked him, does he have any money on him? How is he going to get home? Because in traffic, he was probably, at that point in commuter traffic, he was probably an hour away from home unless he took the train. And they said that because they had transported him to the Boston Police Department, the police would take him home in an unmarked car with um, non-uniformed police officers so as not to draw any attention in the neighborhood. So we got a call after he'd been dropped off and were told that he would call us, the police department, he would call us back at 10 in the morning to let us know that the gag order had been lifted and that possibly even a conference call between our grandson, the police officer, and the parents. Wow. So around 10 o'clock the next morning, we got the phone call, and he said, yes, he was released to the house and everything, and then he said, but it's been, he didn't say a glitch, but something like that. And so mm-hmm. I kind of thought, oh, my God. And he went on to tell us, I won't go into detail because it would take too time, but a horrific, horrific thing that had now happened the next morning One of the deals of of our grandson's release was that he was not to have any contact with his friend. The police officer had even told us the first day that he had talked to our grandson and told him that he was very lucky to be bailed out, but that's not always the case, 
and that you don't want to end up like anybody else in this room because most of them are guilty and that he needed to hang out with better friends. And I actually even thanked him for doing that. I said, sometimes when you hear things like that or not from your family members or a little bit removed, you're a little scared of a situation, sometimes it sinks in and you start being a little bit more smart about what you're doing. So me, I congratulated the guy. Yep. Well, (laughs) you know, he was saying all the right things. He really was. We had our skepticism, and deep down inside, and when I looked back the next day, there were red flags, you know, the cash and whatever. But anyway, so he's telling us that this is now a serious situation, and in order for him to get out of Hawk again, that it would need be another $4,000, but like the last time, we'd have it back in 24 hours, he would be released. And the, the dire situation story that he told us I said, well, why would he even be out of jail if this actually happened? And why is his friend now in the same situation? Because the two of them supposedly were together on that morning. Why would he not for sure still be in jail? I mean, none of it. I says, I don't even know why there would be bail 24 hours after the second incident happened. So, so that what was, was another the second, What was the second incident that supposedly Well, the second happened? incident was is that our grandson had... The guy wanted his car back, and so our grandson agreed to go to the impound and get his car. And I'm thinking to myself, well, wouldn't the car in the impound be kept there for evidence? Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, they said that um, they wanted to get their things out of the car. Well, in the process, I guess, they kind of got stuck in the gravel in the yard, and so evidently my grandson, supposedly they were rocking the car back and forth to get it out. It wouldn't get out. Our grandson got behind the wheel. It shot up with acceleration through a fence and hit a boy who was now in um, intensive care, and they don't expect him to live. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I was just devastated, and I thought, well, maybe sometimes you get in life what you put out. He said he was told not to deal with this. I said, I just, I said, you know what? This doesn't even sound like my grandson. If my grandson were picked up by the police and held in jail for several hours while waiting to find out if Grandma was going to give him a bail, I don't think within less than 24 hours that he would go and be with this guy. You know, another red flag. This doesn't, doesn't sound like what Cole would do, but we didn't have a cell phone. So my husband couldn't go in the other room and try and call one of the parents to see if they were dealing with anything with with our grandson. So we only had the one phone, and he kept saying the gag order is now still on because of the incident. He said, well, why can't we call his parents to find out? And no, there's a gag order. Well, my husband and I have never dealt with the police department, don't have tickets, don't go to jail, haven't had to bail our kids out of jail. I don't know how it works. Sure. You know, so we erred on the side. Uh, You know, the guy thought that we were, will you get the money? We said yes. Well, we got off the phone, and I said to my husband, something is not right, and I think we knew it yesterday. And so I got on the Internet and found the Boston Police Department's number, and I called up and I asked the woman who answered if it was possible to check to see if a certain sergeant and a badge number were actually was actually an employee of the police department. So she got permission from a supervisor, and she came back and said that they had that badge number, but not wow. under that name. And she said that a police officer would never, ever, ever call you on the phone and ask you to send cash. Wow. Which I knew, right? You know, you kind of didn't know. You had a sense. 
In a way, Carol, this was the perfect storm. You have divorced parents who can't come up with the money, so it's natural that your grandson would call you. It sounded like your grandson. You had a very nice police officer who reassured you that he would be released if you sent the money and that he was actually a nice kid and probably wasn't guilty of this. And he painted a very realistic scenario, 30 days in jail, obviously tugged at your heartstrings. He had answers for everything. And he walked you through the supposed procedure every step of the way. Now we're at the courthouse. Now the hearing is finished. He was released. Now we're going to take him home. Then we're going to call you to let you know that he got dropped off safely. He was so very, very, very helpful. I know that you're embarrassed that you got swept up in this, but one of the reasons that I wanted you to come on the show is because, as I said at the beginning, this is one of the most professional and sophisticated scam operations for the grandchild scam that I have ever heard about. And I really think it's important for people to hear the multi-layered kind of scam that can happen, and it sucked you in. For me... When I was thinking about it after it was all over is how did he know? He came on saying he was from the Boston Police Department, which is the area where my grandson's family lives. How did he know that? That is interesting. These crooks do go online these days. And I always tell people, you have to be really careful what you put online. They may have run across some kind of a posting online mentioning this family. Who knows? Yeah, well, they'd have to get it off an email from me because I I choose not to, to post my life and my family's life on Facebook. I just think that it's not as intimate as a photo album and, and does get you into trouble. But, you know, after that day after I called the police department, he called back in an hour because we t- told him it would take us about an hour to get the money. He called up and said, this is Sergeant Williams from the Boston Police Department. And I said, we're done, and I hung up, and I haven't heard anything from him since. But I am nervous about what information, because now he has our address, he has our name, he has our phone number, what other scam things that they could be working with that they could turn over to me. In fact, after I talked to you, Vicki, the first time, I got a phone call about a day and a half later from, this is your Social Security Department, there's a problem with your account. Well, I knew that one, and I hung up. (laughs) Good. Good for you. Yeah. A lot of these grandchild scams come from Canada. So you're talking to people that don't have any particular kind of accent. They don't have an Indian accent or an African accent. They sound like English people. Zero, Zero accent. Yeah. Those are kind of clues, but those clues are gone. The reason I think you're probably safe from this guy is they've gotten the money from you that they wanted to get. They're moving on to the next person. And it could be sheer coincidence that you were hit up with a Social Security scam. Oh, I'm sure that was coincidence. Yeah, yeah. yeah, because everybody's getting those phone calls now. It's wise that you are proceeding with caution and being suspicious about any kinds of phone calls that come through. I joked with my husband. I said, I don't care if it sounds like our son or daughter in there in jail. Nobody's getting any money from us. <laughs> They're going to have to rot. <laughs> well, it's good that you can find the humor in this. That's well, for sure. it's, it's uh, you know, almost two weeks later, but I tell you, it still stings that when sure. you think that you're kind of aware and you pay attention and 
It's not because you're 74 and always think that you're going to be taken advantage of. You know, I did tell you that he said that the phone call was being recorded, which made another kind of an indication that, of course, the police department would record calls because they need it for court things later on, maybe. Right. Sure. It all made sense. It all made sense at the time. Well, listen, Carol, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your experience. And if anyone else out there can be protected from this kind of a scam, you have done a very good deed in getting this word out. So thank you very much for being a part of Scam Squad. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for giving me the time, and I hope it saves somebody else. I do, too. I do, too. And, my Vicki, you are so right. It's not just the simple grandparent scam where you hear someone, not simple, but, you know, you hear someone screaming in the background. This had all these layers where it seemed so very real. Well, Vicki, let's give your phone number again, as we do every week, so that if anyone has been taken advantage of or someone has tried to take advantage of them or scam them or they're worried about a friend or a family member, they can give you a call. Absolutely. The number is area code 805-568-2442, and I'll repeat that, 805-568-2442. And I really encourage people to call. I need to know what's going on out there. I do have some good news. So here it is, and this is just hot off the press, and the headline is, Two Southern California Women Arrested in IRS Scam, Totaling Upwards of $900,000 from Unsuspecting Victims. And these were two suspects who were living in Los Angeles and called a male victim claiming to be from the IRS and threatening to arrest him if he didn't pay $2,200 worth of Target gift cards, which unfortunately the victim did because he believed he was talking to the IRS. But he later reported it when he realized he had been scammed. And here's the good part. Detectives tracked the redemption of the gift cards to a Target store in the L.A. area, and they worked with Target's loss prevention team to locate surveillance video of the incident. And they were able to find these suspects and arrest them. So they are now booked in custody and are going to be prosecuted for this particular crime. And they were also able to get some of the money back. So that is very good news. Very good news. Thank you for sharing, Vicki. Look forward to next week. All right. Thanks, Patty. Bye-bye. Thank you, Carol, and thank you, Vicki.